Hello, my fans, friends. Welcome to the Rich Terring podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. Thanks to everyone who's come to see the Can I Have My Ball Back tour so far. It's been going really well. I've got a four-star review in The Standard, four-star review in The Telegraph, who once called me the worst comedy experience of the year, so that's a turnaround. Uh, people have been coming, people have really been enjoying it, and it's getting better and better. The only gigs this week are both in Pocklington, the town I was born in, near York. Uh, there's a couple of tickets left for the evening show and a few more tickets left for the matinee, I think about 4.30. But love to see you there, Yorkshire. Pop along. Check richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs to see if I'm coming near to you. There are tickets left for nearly every show in the tour. I think Norwich has sold out. Uh, and a couple of gigs in London could do with your support as well. Anyway, please listen to the podcast. Do spread the news about the podcast to your friends. Listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, my finest friends. Welcome to another Rahalastava Book Club. This week, I am talking to Laura Lex about her book, Pivot. And she's right here now. How are you doing, Laura? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm pretty good, too. Thank you. I love I, you I just have a much... naked mannequin behind you. That is my Champion of Champions uh, gotcha. uh, Taskmaster prize. <laughs> uh, we are recording this on video. If you're listening on audio, if you become an A-class, A-class Plus member, you can watch this video as well and see our lovely faces next to each other on a screen. Um uh, look, uh, we've we had you on talking about uh, Klopp actually mainly in the last time you were on Rahalista, but you're you're a comedian and writer. I think everyone knows that. It's about. nice that, isn't it? Uh, it is, and I love how excited you are in the audio book when you say I've read a book <laughs> at the end. It's worth listening to the audio book just for your delight at the end. As you, I've read it. I've read my whole book and I wrote it. It's brilliant. Um, so uh, let's briefly just for people who didn't listen to the last time. Uh, 
Tell us a little bit about Klopp, actually, to start, which is your first book. So this was a book that I wrote based on some tweets I did about loving how sensible Jurgen Klopp was. I sort of did an imaginary thread. Well, the thread was real, but it was imaginary, the thoughts in it. Um, uh, all thoughts are, I suppose. But um, anyway, it was all about um, wishing I was married to him because he's so sensible and he could solve all my anxiety by being super sensible. Um, and somebody said, hey, why don't you write this as a book? And so we did. We turned it into like a gift book type thing, like a like a toilet book, you know, little mini chapters <laughs> of a funny idea yeah. and, and sort of stretching that out. And then um, and then they said, well, look, you clearly like writing. Do you want to write a novel? And um, and they said, hey, write a novel. So I did. It was fun. <laughs> you did. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And it's, I think it's a very assured and uh, first novel. It's, you know, it, it really all holds together. The characters are brilliant. It's very funny. Um, it's a sort of, I think it's not rude to say that it would be a great book to buy on the plane and yes. take on holiday. I and, think it's uh, perfect for that. It's a perfect, <laughs> like, sit in the sun and and just be somewhere nice in a book and in real life, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly what I wanted is a book where you don't have to be on edge going, when's the shit thing going to happen? <laughs> like, just, just have a nice time, guys. Don't worry about being sad for half an hour. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a few twists and turns and the characters go through a little bit of this and that, but it's basically just about uh, female friendship. It's a, I mean, it's sort of, it's about netball, but it sort of isn't about netball as well, I would say. So yeah. the netball is, is, is good. If you're interested in netball, I think you'll enjoy it. And if you've, <laughs> I've, like, well, since I've received this book, I, uh, I, I've got a friend who's already playing netball. I was at the pub with some other parents the other day and one said, oh, we're, th- we're thinking of starting a netball league. Mm. I said, you've got to read. <laughs> <laughs> but that's um, half of what started the whole thing, which years ago I was gigging. Have you ever done G Live in Guildford? No. It's, this, it's It's got an amazing room and then there's a studio room that can be quite hard work. They're lovely people. It's a lovely venue, but it can be quite hard work. And I was I think I was comparing there and there was a, bun- a big group of women in who all played amateur netball together. And I just sort of did, like, it was the first time in about 10 years I'd heard the word netball. So I started sort of chatting to them about, like, chess pass and bounce pass and, like, all the different things you know all these rules that you're like god there were so many rules and the other women in the crowd really loved it so I turned it into some stand-up and then I sort of stuck I had this idea for a plot and and then it kind of melded with this idea of a netball team and that's when I started writing like this world of, of these characters was just looking at women's reaction to netball and going yeah we really learned that for like 12 years and then left school and there's nothing <laughs> like you can follow it up with so you just stop paying any attention to it yeah I thought what was interesting is that a lot of uh, young people young men and young women write, write books with the central character that if it is not themselves is something similar to them or someone of their age uh, and although there is a, a, a character who's about 30 in in this book it's really about middle-aged Women, so the main character is fifty-eight or fifty-nine, yeah. Jackie, Jackie Douglas. Yeah, uh, uh, and I thought that was quite interesting, an interesting choice for you to write, and you do it very well. Uh, but so, why did you choose to write about people of my age rather than <laughs> of your age? <laughs> um, I think it was because when I first started writing this, it was a TV show, so I wrote it as a script first of all, and yeah. I wanted to write something that was full of 
all the older actresses who are brilliant but don't get main parts anymore. Um, So I sort of wanted it to have like a Calendar Girls-esque cast of just incredible comic actresses that have all got a bit older and so, you know, been put out to pasture. Um, So, and because I wanted to write about somebody just sort of, so Jackie is is the main character and, and she's 58. She's happily married. She's got children. One of them's got a grandkid. She's retired. She likes her house. You know, she's fine. And then her husband walks out on her and she suddenly feels like everything in her life is in the past. And um, I wanted that to really hit. I wanted there to be this feeling of like, what do I do for me and what is left and what, what's left in my life now that the main things I wanted to do, AKA having kids and, you know, living this big family life. Once that's over, how do you maintain this happiness? So she needed to be older to really have that hit properly, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I, and I think it's, but you write it very well. I mean, you, you get into the mindset of, 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 uh, of exactly that uh, because it is, you know, it's, it's that feeling suddenly when you've, invested your whole life in a marriage and and a job and and then things get taken away from you or you know the husband leaves and you have to reassess everything it's the sort of perfect age to do that but you really kind of get inside that which is you know that's what being a writer is about of course yeah. is you know is understanding well, the characters I, I'm, I'm glad that that comes across because that was a big fear of sort of going like oh god I'm writing something but I, I think I think the anxiety doesn't change does it like I'm 35 no. and my insecurity that my comedy career has passed me by and I'm never gonna <laughs> do anything that is I imagine I'm just going to feel the same as this, but maybe more intense when I'm 58. Like, <laughs> I think if you're insecure, you're insecure. Like that, that sure. those feelings will find you, no matter how honestly they should be there. Sure. Uh, did you were you aware of the comedian Jack Douglas when you called your main character? Oh no, Jackie Douglas. There's a guy. It's th- for someone of my age. It just I thought it might come up, but then I quite like that it doesn't. Oh no! I've <laughs> never the, heard the of Jack Jackie Douglas. Douglas. Jack Douglas was, I think, in like the carry. I can't, I can't really quite picture him, but he was in the Carry On films and things like. that. It was that sort of genre of actor and stuff. I can't. I can't. Just every time people call <laughs> Jack <laughs> Jack Douglas, it made me laugh. That's good. But, you know, but I quite like because often you do you have someone who's named in a sitcom or something has the name of someone famous. Yeah. Uh, Wesley Snipes in. Uh, 30 Rock is a good example. It's uh, Michael Sheen's character called Wesley Snipes. Uh, and it's quite nice to have that without it being referred to. But I just I just wondered whether, whether there was a talk about Googling the name. I can't even remember if it was oh. Jackie's name. who was being, being Googled. But you'd get a lot of things of, about uh, Carry On films. Yeah, she, like she never understands because she's an ex-nurse. She never understands the references to Nurse Jackie that people make. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she's not yeah, seen yeah. it. But um, no, oh, I've not heard. Right, that's my afternoon's homework. <laughs> that's just how, that's just show business and that's how generations <laughs> work. It's terrible that he well, might. Well, the Taskmaster champion of champions would know this sort of stuff. <laughs> and uh, I was really, uh, this is something I hadn't noticed, but you wrote an article about uh, the fact that you didn't um, make physical descriptions of the characters which I think you know and it doesn't matter I hadn't even Mm. I didn't actually even notice until I you know I was halfway through the book when I read that article I thought oh that's interesting so can you tell us about your thinking about not 
why you didn't describe your character's appearances. Yeah, and then can I ask you what you pictured? Because I'm fascinated now. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a two-pronged, well, maybe three-pronged. One, I can't picture things visually. I've got, I, d- I don't know what it's called, but you, I can't picture images. I do. I've got it too. It's called aphant- aphantasia. That, that's it. So I picture yeah. the spellings of words. So if somebody says yeah. someone's a brunette, I think about the word brunette written down, and I, that's how I think. So quite often in books, you know, I love reading, um, when they describe something physically, if it's not, I just ignore it, or or I just go, no, I don't think so. You've got that wrong. <laughs> and I just <laughs> move on. I'm, I can't build up that image from their description. If they go, they're tall and red hair, and, and I've immediately just moved on. So it's partly yeah. that. And then maybe I'm a bad writer in terms of physicality because of that. But every time I tried to describe any of it physically, it's it felt so hack and weird and like <laughs> I'd be describing Jackie and I picture Jackie in myriad different ways depending on what she's doing like sometimes she's Mira Sayal sometimes she's Alison Stebman like sometimes she's my mum she's my husband's mum but but when I tried to write it down I was like right what do I actually think so I was like okay so I think she's like white with blue eyes and blonde hair and then when you try, you can't just say, hello, Mrs. Jackie, she's white with blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> you have to be like, blue eyes that sparkled. Or I mean, you're like, well, they're not that sparkly. And then, and then I'd want to say things like, you know, she's a bit wrinkly because she's 58. But, but then you want to be like, she's not like covered in me. She's not like a, like a sharp A. She's just yeah. a normal amount wrinkly. But then it felt like everything I was writing was basically me trying to say just picture a normal woman of oh, 58 however you picture that because it doesn't matter and then it was like well then just let people picture that don't yeah don't bother I think that's interesting you know I think it's true and it, it, it I didn't notice I don't know what I do exactly because I you know I've only just realized I can't make mental images and, stuff. <laughs> and so I, like if I'm forced to think about what I was thinking I can't even tell you what I was because I wasn't like yeah. picturing someone but I was but I, you know I guess yeah you know I just I just had in mind yeah, someone, just like an I, idea I think, of a person. Yeah, it's just that, but you don't need. I mean, I quite like it in terms, of, especially for women in novels, are often you know either beautiful or not beautiful, and that's the way they're described. Yeah. And it's sort of nice to not. I mean, I guess the only thing in this, there's one character whose nickname used to be Janet the Planet. Yeah, and so she obviously at least used to be yeah uh, large, but then the implication is she isn't necessarily as large now because but. But that's we don't know anything about her. She would be the character uh, as the y- younger character that in another book would be this sexy, willowy, blonde girl, you know. And, but actually, you're left to think about, you know. I probably think I'm probably thinking of like, yeah, some someone more nor you know, more or norm. Maybe one of my wife's friends or something like that was was in my mind there. One of the with one of the mums from school, <laughs> I could sort of picture that sort of thing. So you know, that's that's and then so you know, you do when you're reading a book, you however you create mental images or however you however you enjoy it you I think it's quite nice that you um that you create your own world what was interesting as well because I guess because it wasn't the main character wasn't anything like you I didn't I didn't really think about you very much which I think is quite impressive oh, in a book, especially, especially with a book that's written by someone you know right yeah. so I know I didn't I wasn't like when I was reading Andrew Hunter Murray's book I was sort of thinking of Andrew Hunter Murray as the main character just because he isn't really like it but it just that was that was convenient <laughs> but with this one I think because it was you were immediately taken away and so yeah I didn't I didn't um 
I didn't mind that and I didn't notice it. And I actually, you know, it's sort of refreshing to see a book where where it's not about, um, you know, who's beautiful and who's not beautiful. And you sort of imagine, you know, you know, you just need this. What's lovely about this, the characters are, are very quickly, very beautifully drawn. You get a real idea of friendships uh, and the new friendships that turn up. It's It's just, you know, it's this little journey where these where these people discover yeah. new friends and, you know, through coincidences and through just bumping into people. Um, but you're, you were, you're very good at um, getting characters straight away. You know, you can't, you immediately knew what kind of person you were dealing with as each one came in, uh, but they were believable. Uh, and, and, and I think what's lovely is it's just such a likable group. Uh, of people that's that's uh, exactly what i wanted to sort yeah. of i wanted a book where you could have like a, a a random selection of women without them working in the same place or without yeah. them being mums because i've never been able to conceive and so i don't have children yet so it's it's it can be a bit triggering like that most coming together stories about women are some sort of like, and they all came to the same baby group or they've all got mums or, you know, like there was yeah. this whole spate of TV, like motherland and, and other things that were all about parenthood. And I was like, I wonder what I can do to get like women that don't know each other together without being a workplace, hilarious sitcom or whatever. Yeah. And then I sort of thought, well, like sport, there's so many sport vehicles for things but I couldn't necessarily think of one about women. So I sort of thought, oh, netball, that, that will be fun. Yeah. And the fact that they none of them are particularly, I mean, maybe a couple of them are slightly keen to play netball. And yeah, know no. What they're doing, but they're not really, none of them really, I mean, they sort of fall into it by accident. because netball's not really, shit. Netball <laughs> is so shit. It's so rubbish. Oh, dreadful sport. But that's what's sort of that's what's sort of lovely about it. Is it's just these people who just you know they're all looking for someone or something to do, you know like for for just something to occupy themselves and there's something missing I guess yeah. in, in all of their lives and this gives them a reason to be together and, and you know and the sport is absolutely peripheral to it and and their ability you know they don't have to get better at the sport for it for this for it to make sense oh, which, no. I, which which I just really love because I think you know the again the the obvious route to go would be, oh, we got this rag bag of idiots and they've never touched a netball in their life. And, oh, but they work together and they become amazing. No. But it's about, it's about, it's about them coming together and, and becoming good at being friends and, and yeah. feeling happy in themselves. I so, fought you know. so much with that when we were initially like ironing out the plot and there was like, a, you know, maybe they've got to try and win the league. And I was like, no, like I'd love it if they've scored by the end of the, the, the book. And then there was sort of like, you know, discussions and all they're like, well, maybe there's some sort of, you know, what do they need to do to save the team? Like, do they need to raise the right amount of money to save the team? And I was sort of sitting there thinking like, I feel like I've read that. I've watched that. I've watched the like, and you know, the, these are middle class women. It's not that expensive to have an amateur netball team. Someone's got the twenty quid subs they can bung in. Like, I didn't want any of those usual, um, I, I don't know, dramas to be in there. I did want it to just be about the dramas going on in your head that you've blown massively out of proportion. Which then yeah. that got terrifying as it got closer to publication, and I was looking at it and going, "God, there's just no plot. There's just nothing. Why would anybody enjoy this?" But and then you're going, "No, Laura, that's what you wanted to do. You wanted to make it about 
the reality of even when there's not massive drama in your life, there's drama because your brain's created it for you. I think that's true. But I think there's a, you know, I think there's a lot of plot and there's a lot of drama. And I was very, you know, I was very keen to see what happened. I was kind of, you know, I had ideas what might happen. I was hopeful certain things wouldn't happen. Uh, you know, and so like I was, I was, you know, I got through this book really quickly. I really enjoyed it. Like, you know, I know these books aren't, it's it's sort of weird as I'm just, as I'm talking to more authors, especially to female authors, that most female authors are writing for a female audience, or that's that seems to be. And you know, I think this book is probably being pushed as a as a book for women, which is great. Yeah, but but you know, it'd be a shame if men don't read a book like this because it's about a subject that's that they might not know about, or because it's about women. Because you know it's 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 very enjoyable, but also you might learn something about women if you read if you read these kind of books rather than Bravo Two Zero, you might actually have have a happy life, and you'll go, oh, is that what I have to do to make women happy? Okay, it's much easier than I thought. Well, I was on. It's, it's so funny you bring that up because I did. Um, sorry to cross podcast mention, but I did Guilty Feminist a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. I was on with the women that run the Women's Prize for Fiction and Laura Bates that wrote Everyday Sexism. And oh, yes, yes. she was talking about the statistics on men that read female authors are tiny, that women tend to read 50-50 male and female authors, but yeah. men just very rarely read female authors. And about how when the Women's Prize for Fiction got set up, it was all because even though women published like a huge amount of books, only 9% of shortlisted books for awards went to women and how like, it the like terms chiclet and stuff like that because you go oh it's just about feelings and thoughts so it's not important and how nonsense that is um it's really fascinating but yeah like and uh, I can't remember which one of them said it but just all this genre of like women are such a mystery and you're like pick up (laughs) any novel written by any woman and we're there we're laying out our thought processes when my husband read this Tom you've met Tom he's comedian when he read it he read one of the draft copies for me it's probably one of the first pieces of work I've ever done where he didn't get involved through the creative process um and I kept saying to him like I'm really looking forward to you reading it but there's no point me asking you about stuff going through because you're just not the demographic for it and he got halfway through and he just looked up and we went I just can't believe anybody thinks this much (laughs) 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 oh babe Yeah, that might be the problem with male, <laughs> male readers. Do I have to think as well? Yeah. I didn't realise I had to think. And I didn't know. Well, look, I really, I, you know, I think I, it interests me and I, and I hope men will uh, will sort of try and break away from that because, you know, but it's, just, it's sort of like I don't want to just read about people exactly like myself anyway. So it's kind of it's interesting to go into a world that isn't your world or mm. to see someone else's perspective on something that is your world. So, um, and you know, for me, if something's funny, that's, that's, you know, if something, if it's, a, if it's meant to be a funny book and it's funny, then I want to, <laughs> I want to be involved because I like <laughs> funny stuff. So you, you know, you tick all the boxes on this. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend, but what won't change needing health insurance, United healthcare, tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I mean, it's interesting you say that you, it came from a script because I was going to ask you if you it felt very much like this could be a sitcom. This is a great uh, sit for a sitcom. Yeah. Uh, is, is, are, you, are you thinking about trying to revive that script and, or, is, or is doing it as a novel made it? Uh... I'd love to revive it. And I'm hoping that in a post-Ted Lasso world where yes. cosy, nice TV is a bit more being commissioned, because that was the problem I hit before. This was maybe six or so years ago, maybe even a bit more, we were trying to pitch this. And one TV would just saying like, no, it's Scandi murder noirs is all anybody wants is moody, gripping things. Um, and then two, they didn't want to make stuff about older women. They just said mm. women and, and people of that age already watch TV. The main push is to get 16 to 25 year olds to watch TV. So I'm, but I'm hoping in a sort of world where people are craving cozy TV a bit more, there will be more chances to have that conversation. Because can you imagine the cast of seven actresses that are all like getting their teeth into this comedy netball? I just think yeah. it's brilliant. And yeah, I'm so, I'm so, if it's if it's only ever the novel, then I'm so proud of it. And I'm so thrilled. But I would love to see like the British comedy elite prancing around in netball bibs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, it feels, I was, uh, I was just really, uh, sadly, Kay Mello died uh, last month, but I was really oh, listening to her relevant that she did. And, you know, if this felt like an idea that, you know, that it felt like one of her ideas that you could get, you know, she did some gritty stuff, but she did some uh, sort of fun comedy stuff as well. And, you know, this really feels like you've got everything in it because it's, you, it, you know, there's funniness. There's, the, it, the netball is a funny game. There's lots of fun, funny stuff in that. But also it's just those relationships, the falling in and out between friends. You know, it's all this universal stuff that would definitely... Yeah. I mean, I think Fat Friends was probably one of my formative TV experiences as a teenager watching that and it being so funny and nice and lovely and maybe on a little bit too late. So I probably wasn't meant to be watching it, but mum would watch it with me anyway. Like, I love that sort of TV. I'd watch that endlessly. I never need to see another person get raped or murdered for my entertainment ever again. (laughs) <laughs> yes well you know it is it, it's it's got that factor it's got that did you were you always committed to the word pivot was the the title pivot was that was no in the original in the tv version it was bibs um right but then we thought that's going to look a lot like a book about babies <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> so, that's true <laughs> but then pivot seemed to really work because it is about your life pivoting and um, yes. in the stand-up that I do about netball, the the pivoting bit just you'd crease people up, like land on one foot and pivot with the other foot. That was a big thing you had to learn in netball was which was your landing foot, and then you could only move one foot after that. So it sort of seemed to work. I've just got to get a copy to David Schwimmer and get him to yes. do the. <laughs> <Pivot>. <laughs> 
I kind of, as I was doing my run when I was listening to this, uh, it struck me, although we don't know what race any of the women are because you have failed to describe any of them, <laughs> but I thought it could be called white women can't jump. Yeah. They're not, they're not allowed. They're not allowed to because <laughs> they might be a bit longer. I think pivots are, <laughs> it's a better because they're not allowed. To. Um, I mean, netball is a crazy, it's, a, it's so an insane weird. game. Apparently it was developed I don't know whether this is true or not, but I did hear that it was somebody trying to describe basketball via letter correspondence. And so <laughs> once it reached where it was going, it all got very convoluted and no one had actually ever said, oh, you can dribble with the ball at any point. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> that would that would make sense. Um uh, and so let's talk about the audio book. I, I, I actually did a bit of reading and a bit of audio book with this book because I had the book Can first. And so that it's between the two. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because it's quite nice to be able to occasionally you can do. I did the, with my other book today, I did both at the same time, which was all right. I think like with a with an academic book, sometimes that can just help really cement it into <laughs> when you're when you're when you're losing concentration, which wasn't a problem with this book. The other book was a bit more academic and uh, beyond me in places, so it's quite nice to do both. But yeah, no, I quite like you know, I, I really like audio books because you can yeah. you can you can really you know get through them while you're doing other stuff. Yeah, as long as you know, especially exercise and driving and stuff where you can concentrate enough. Um, but uh, but you've got some time. Uh, so I mainly listened to audio books. Uh, was that was that? I mean, you did a very good job, and you did you did you did accents and stuff. <laughs> they're very they're very believable accents. Thank you, from Roz. Oh, um, there were some retakes of some of Roz's lines. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Oh God, there were just parts of some of those days where I was like, I, I can't remember how my mouth works anymore. <laughs> I just I was like, it's passable. It'll do if nothing else. <laughs> It was, it was good and you know you're very you're very uh, obviously a great performer so it makes sense for not everybody does their own book and sometimes it's not the right thing no i, I had to comedian. audition to do mine did you yeah they said no we'll get an actress in and i was really? like they said oh it's not normal for an author to read their own book and i was like you do know that i've done way more reading of things and podcasts and performing than i've done writing like if anything i shouldn't have written the book but i should <laughs> definitely be the one reading it and they were like oh we just don't know because you're not as old as jackie and i was like jackie's not the narrator like please let me read the book like you've got to let me read the book or at least let me choose the the reader yeah, and yeah. in the end i had i submitted a couple of chapters i just sat here in my office and read a couple of chapters and sent them off to them and went look i promise you i can do this sent them some chapters and they came straight back and went oh yeah you can all right fair enough like, thank you <laughs> well it's good that they made that I mean it seems weird that it took them some time I think it, you know I think it it can be a great thing for the author to write a reader especially I think if they're a performer yeah. it sort of feels to me too weird if, if you've got a comedian and it's a funny book it feels like a weird choice to hand it over to someone else yeah. um but you know often often it can you know I, I, there are some audio books where I thought yeah, you should have probably got someone else yeah. to, to read that for you, mate. Uh, but uh, because it's a, it's a, it's a very tricky discipline, right? I'm just about to do mine in a, in a couple of weeks, for my my latest one, and I haven't done a long one now. How many words is this? But this is probably mm, is it 80, 80, words? something yeah. like that. Yeah. So it's about the same as mine. So it's going to take about three days. I'm yeah. That it was, yeah. So that's quite a. That's it quite is a intense. Commitment. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and you're sort of like, well, it's just reading, but then. There's a point where your tongue and mouth can't keep up with your brain anymore and you just sort of get a bit sloggy with it. But the I find the producers on these, they're so clever. They're, they're so gentle with your ego of going, 
we're just going to skip back a little bit and uh, we do this. You go, oh, I fucked it up, didn't I? Like, but they're so nice and gentle with you and like making notes on where you've messed up and getting you to go back and do stuff. And, and, and it's amazing how you start and you think it's all fine and then you do the whole book and then they say, right, we're just going to go back and redo chapter one because you've woken up now. And so you yeah. redo all the stuff you did at the beginning that was a bit bland where you were nervous. Mine, yeah, they, the they studio are, was the top clever. of a flight of stairs in in a Brighton townhouse. So the first 15 minutes after I sat in the chair, he was like, you just have to sit there until your heart rate goes back down. Otherwise, we can really hear like how tired you are from climbing those stairs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's good. And as I say, it's worth, it's worth listening to the audio book just to hear the bit at the end where you say this book was written by me and I've read it. It's great. (laughs) Because there's a, but that's what's lovely. I mean, that that, the book is so joyful, but I think it's, you know, it's obviously for you, it's such a passion project and, and you're so proud of yourself and correctly so for having, (laughs) having done it. It's an amazing thing to, you know, to write, you know, I've never written a novel and I'd like to, I think, but it's, it's very hard to do. I think it's a, a, there's a lot of things to keep in the air and there's, there's a lot of thought. What the thing I found hardest about it is that I don't, I didn't know what the plot was until I started writing it because I knew the vague ideas I'd had for a whole series in the TV version. I knew the characters inside out, but I'm a bit wanky, I suppose, in that it really felt to me like as I got to know the characters more, I knew what they do in situations. So I knew what situations would mess them up. So I knew. And I'm too impulsive to sit down and plan because that's boring. I just want to write it. So it wasn't until I was sort of half, three quarters of the way through, I'd go, oh, that need, of course, that needs to happen. And then I go back and like tear a load of it apart and put it back together. But that must have been so frustrating for an editor and a person <laughs> purchasing my idea that like, well, she doesn't really know what's going to happen, but she knows who it's going to happen to. And that, that I think is really difficult that you have to persuade people to trust that you can write your yeah. own way. Like you've got to stop asking me for a detailed plot breakdown because I don't know yet. I, I won't know until I've done it. <laughs> yeah, I find, I find that interesting because that's, I've spoken to a, a lot of the authors and the novelists I've spoken to, a, a plan like everything so everything's planned out they kind of know where it's going but that's not the way I've ever written anything. No. you know I've, and and so like it kind of oh am I is that why I can't is that why I'm not very good because I'm not planning out it's planning stuff to out plan it's but, boring uh, and I want yeah, to yeah. just write and then I want to see what the words do and I haven't yeah. got the intention span to plan I just no I had ideas and I'd think about oh maybe that and I'd make a note of it but then it would just slowly like build up in my head the thought of sitting down and going here is point a and this is point c and oh that is a good device to use in the middle and so therefore I will uh, maybe it's because as comedians I think that's the way you kind of comedy comes isn't it it's mm. sort of like if you, you can't re- I mean you can sit down and write to an extent but it's but the really good stuff comes from just that sudden inspiration yeah either usually on stage i find but sometimes you know when you when you're come putting together something something you go, wow, wow 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 and it's all and then you surprise yourself and yeah I think that might be a, that might be a comedian's instinct i like i've not written novels but i've written sitcoms and things like that and i like to have no idea where yeah. it's going so that so that when you go oh and then this happens oh great i didn't didn't think that i didn't and see then, that do come. you ever have that moment where you go oh, i'm so glad my brain thought of that because i'd never have come up with anything like that pretty much <laughs> it every, feels like it wasn't really you it does uh, well you know i've just been i've just done the copy edit on my book and you know and it's two or three months since i wrote it 
I don't, genuinely can't understand how, I can't understand where he even came from. I'm gonna, you've got to be enjoying it. The oh, this is pretty good. You go, how the hell did I yeah, yeah. write this? I don't remember writing it. How did I write it? You know, but yeah, definitely. You know, I've, I've talked about that a lot in the creative process. It sort of feels like it's beamed at your head or, you know, that. It, but it's obviously something to do with the, the way the brain works and the way creativity works, that it's a, it is sort of being created somewhere else not by your conscious mind yeah uh, and completely. you know and you let you let things ruminate and you you know and have a go at them and so it's, I think that's good it's good to know that I and mean, I know there are writers or people aspirant writers and people who write who listen to this podcast and who uh, are quite who, who love this you know talking about how things are written and so it's good to know that there is more than one way of doing it and I think I think you know obviously there's there's probably everyone's got a slightly different method but it's um it's I think that chaos creating something out of chaos and then I think that's why this book feels a bit more real because it doesn't feel like um you know because that's not how life is life mm. doesn't happen and then and then oh and then a plot you know and I've seen that with people writing sitcoms when I've been on in, in teams of people writing sitcoms and and they're going right now we have the a story and the b story and the c story and this is going to happen this and you kind of go well that's not how no. life works and that's not how you know what happens is something very unexpected happens did you watch <laughs> shipped creek yeah i yeah. loved that for their dealing with stuff like that like every time you thought they were setting up a standard sitcom a will happen b will react in the worst possible way to it causing friction and then they'll fix it they managed to introduce the same sort of uh oh there's been a problem and then solve it in a completely refreshing way by yes, avoiding the high drama of stupidity and it was so beautifully done it's one of my favorite things ever watching that show and just watching them avoid all the cliches of sitcom writing not that I don't love like that sort of thing but it just feels like yeah. we've done that to death like a bit of reality in your sitcom even with something that is so non-reality like Shit's Creek it's just such a nice way of writing and did you do any like field research did you go and play netball again did you go and sort of watch people playing netball or did you did you just use your remote I mean, was it during covid when you were writing this possibly so it might yeah i did difficult. go a couple of years ago when i was writing the tv version a couple of my friends like five or six of my friends play netball on a monday night and um i did toy with the idea of joining the team but obviously with stand-up you can't really have evening hobbies so it's a bit of yeah. a nightmare but i did go down quite a few times and watch them play and sort of picking up on the things that people are shouting and and what it's like when all the teams are gathering to play and how quick and fast netball is it's it was more that vibe of what it's like when you get down to the court like how's it run where do the referees come from all that sort of stuff was really interesting yeah good well it's it's uh, you should be very pleased with that. i'm glad you are so pleased with it it's uh, a very enjoyable uh, pivot do go and uh, buy it you will enjoy it um are you well, are you are you working on another something else? Well, uh, would you come back to these characters, or are you, have, you, have you got another idea for a novel? I'd love to come back to these characters. I have got an idea for a second novel in this world. I have been soundly told by the publisher it depends how this one sells. So buy okay. it, <laughs> for goodness' sake, buy it. Um, and I've got a few other book ideas. Um, yeah, which at the moment I'm sort of I'm going back into podcasting again for a bit, but um, but then I think like yeah. You know, when you just, you're, is your attention span like this? You're like, well, I've done a book for a while, so now I need some of this. I, I want to yeah. go and do podcasty things and something that's less me sitting at my desk on my own, and, and then I'll come back. 
I think definitely with writing, I find it, you know, very hard to, if you've, it's very hard to do two or three things. Well, I used to do two or three things at once, but I've you know, sort of mainly got to concentrate on one, one thing when I'm writing a book. And then when it's done, it really does feel like I need to not, yeah. you know, I, I actually suddenly had like two or three ideas for other books, but I've done, I'm in no rush to, to go and do them, you know, and so it's, think- it's kind of. It's complicated because they, especially with me being like a relatively unheard of author, um, well, an unheard of as an author, and I'm I'm doing all right as a comedian, but it's not like I'm a household name comedian. So in terms of establishing yourself as an author, you have to try and write within a similar vein of your other books. You can't suddenly go, well, now I want to write a murder mystery and then I'm going to write a high-octane thriller. You've got to sort of set yourself up as an author who does a certain thing. So I think if I leapt straight into another book now, I'd be scared of it being the same story with different characters. Like I want to go away until another group of people present themselves to me and they are as real to me as the the pivot characters are. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I have to say, Laura Lex, I think is, an, I mean, it's an excellent name anyway, but it's a very good author name. Do you not? Do you not think so? Like, it looks, it looks very good on the book. It looks, oh, Laura Lex. I think it's just this. I think there's something very authorish about huh. the name Laura Lex. So I think I've uh, got my dad to thank for that. It was my nickname as a kid. This is not my real surname, but my middle no. name is Alex. And my dad, when I'm little, used to call me Laura Lex as a like a run together. So that's how I picked yeah. it as a as a stage name. And a pen name now. <laughs> it's a very good choice. I think I can you know. I can just see that shooting off the uh, off the shelves and coming out out at people. It's a good name. Um, and are you read? Do you read a lot yourself? Do yeah. you read other people's books? And I, what are you reading? At, what do you recommend or that you're reading or have read recently? Um, so at the moment, I've got about three different books on the go. I've just finished um, uh, the Empire of Pain, the thing about the Sackler family and the OxyContin opioid scandal. So okay. I was reading that as a non-fiction, but it reads as fluidly as a fiction. It is incredible. Um, and then audiobook, I'm listening to the latest in, not well, it's not the latest one, but the latest one I'm up to in the Marcus Didius Falco Roman, he's um, Lindsay Davis's series about a Roman investigator. So I'm quite enjoying okay. that. And then I'm also reading Pope Lonergan's book. Have you, have you had Pope on this? No, no, I haven't. Oh, he's brilliant. He's a comic and he's written this book about being a care home assistant. Um, Sort of like this is going to hurt, but about the care industry. And he's got such a dark sense of humour. But it's really, really lovely to read. I like a lot of high fantasy fiction. I I like a sort of holiday read, but I also I've just finished Brandon Sanderson's um, first book in the Way of Kings series. And it was like a 45-hour audio book. And you know when somebody doesn't explain the lore of their fantasy world, they just let it evolve as the book goes on. That sort of thing is my favourite type of book. Yeah. There are a lot of books out there, aren't there, Laura? So That's what, when you when you <laughs> <laughs> this this even just doing this podcast has made me realize. Oh no, <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, why is my books not doing so well? You know, as I thought they might. Oh, it's because there's a million. Yeah. Books. Every time a book comes out, there's a million books come out. So I find um, that on, know, the, on the Amazon thing, like if you got low enough self esteem, that you sometimes look how your book's selling. Of course, and then it yeah. tells you the ranking. So you're like, oh, my <laughs> book is selling the thirty thousandth most selling book in the world, like of all books. But then how many different genres there are? 
camera like in crime and sport in humor and women in friendship and onions and you're like how are all of these different categories got enough books in them that I can be that far down the ranking well 30,000 is pretty good I'd be quite, I mean maybe not in the week of publication but it's not bad I've certainly seen myself at like 273,000 I've certainly seen books down down at that so there are a lot of I mean because I suppose it's every book you know it's not yeah. that chart it's every book in the world that's ever been basically with Amazon isn't it it's so and, and once you get beyond I'm guessing 20,000 there probably isn't much you sell one copy and you jump up yeah. <laughs> you jump up 10,000 places uh, it's only when you get to the very top that it sort of gets uh, that you have to sell hundreds of thousands of books to make a difference uh, look Laura as always it's lovely to talk to you uh, and thank you for having me on your podcast which will be out in September yes, yes, tell people will. what that podcast is called as well we might as well plug that yeah Richard's going to be on National Treasures podcast in September we're restarting in August and in that podcast we get sent to a location in this case Cheddar Gorge and me and Will Duggan my good buddy we go for the day out we record the podcast at the location in this case Cheddar Gorge uh, and then we sat down with Richard and we asked him why he'd sent us to in this case Cheddar Gorge and um, what he loved about it. And then we do some research based on your suggestions about Cheddar Gorge. So, um, yeah, not all comedians will send us to Cheddar Gorge. Just not, if it's not Cheddar Gorge every week, though it should be, because <laughs> Cheddar Gorge is the only place to go. Uh, look, always fantastic to talk to Laura. I hope I see you very soon in the flesh, but it's also nice to talk to you uh, on Zoom. So uh, thank you very much, Laura Lex. Uh, next week is Guy Lex, Lexiner. I think that's, I'm going to have to ask him how to pronounce that. It's Professor. This is how classy this is. Goes from you doing your stupid little netball book to <laughs> Professor Guy Lechlinger, <laughs> the man who tasted words. I mean, come on, that is... Oh, you should have told me one. I could have smoked a pipe while we had the conversation <laughs> to bring mine up a notch. <laughs> there's, a, there's a chapter about aphantasia in there as well, so you should... You should What's that you called? Should, you should, the man who tasted words. All right, the man who tasted words. Look out for that. All right, we'll be back next week with that. Anyway, thank you, Laura. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks for listening. RichardHerring.com slash gigs. GoFasterStripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh yeah, I know all the cool words, and um, would love to see you on the on the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye. <laughs>